I think people are are so afraid for a number of reasons. I mean, it's not just stage fright we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. what are your peers going to think? If I say the wrong thing if I make a mistake. And, you know, I always ask the question, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. This is part one of my interview with Julia Langley. My next guest comes from a family of musicians, I can relate to that, and has been on stage since the age of two. She has performed in musical theater and performed her own original show throughout the U.S. She eventually made her way into Cirque du Soleil and performed with them as a featured singer in 16 different countries and all 50 states over a period of 17 years. One of the things she's most passionate about is helping others unleash their power by discovering and learning to properly use their voice. She teaches speakers and singers special techniques that will enhance their voice in a way that commands the stage and increases their success. In 2019, she was hit by a Jeep while riding her bicycle, and she's been recovering gradually from the many surgeries after that, along with understanding her PTSD from the ordeal. She speaks out about that so that others can better understand the difficulties faced by those who struggle with PTSD. She believes she was given a second chance to help others find their own strength and resilience, to make sure their unique talents are shared with the world. Her name is Julia Langley, and just from her bio, you can probably tell this is going to be quite the conversation. I hope you enjoy this discussion as much as I did. Thank you so much for joining me today, Julia. I know we had a little bit of a interesting start. <laughs> yes, we did. But you know, what's a new adventure? I love adventures, so <laughs> it's that's all what good. I'm, it's all good. Right. We're all learning. <laughs> that's exactly right. Every day is a new experience. Yep. So brave new world. <laughs> I, yes, that's how I look at it. Everything I come in contact with is a new adventure and, and a learning experience, experiment, if you will. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So what is going on in your world right now? How are you well, doing? <laughs> I, I, I have a lot going on, actually. Um, uh-huh. This past year, 2020 has just been such a pivotal year for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it has been for a lot of people, but I was coming off a really tough year in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have been working for Cirque du Soleil for about 17 years, and I have had a great singing career um, when I traveling the world with them. And, and when I wasn't doing that, I am performing throughout the U.S. and Canada. And in 2019, I had a really bad accident where I was hit by a car. So it sort of stopped me in my tracks. And... I spent a year actually not really working at all because I was physically not able able to work. So my uh, quarantine, if you will, for, for lack of a better word, actually started in March of 2019. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. You've been going through this doubly long. Hey, wow. when co- the COVID hit, <laughs> I was actually already, you know, I was like, oh, well, my life hasn't really changed that much. But <laughs> I guess not. I yeah. really didn't because I, I had already sort of learned how to adapt and overcome that. And 
Really and truly, I had started a process of reinvention of my career and myself before that anyway. I've been the singer for a really long time. I've also had an academy where I work with aspiring performers. And I was really looking to expand that, to look into new areas, to do some things to challenge myself and really to grow my business. So um, I feel like after the accident and I did um, get physically better, I had a couple of surgeries. And after recovering from that, I felt like uh, the COVID quarantine actually gave me the time I needed to really pivot and put my focus in the areas that I needed to go. So I've really it's expanded. And now I'm focusing a lot on singing for speakers, mm-hmm. singing for healing. Um, and I still do work with um, top-notch achieving singers that really want to work professionally or audition people who really have big goals and want to be better at their craft. I love that. So these are my focuses right now. So I wanted to ask you a little more about singing for speakers. How does that work exactly? What what are you telling people to do that'll help them become a better speaker? Well, what people don't really understand is that a lot of the techniques that we use as we sing and perform, we use in speech every single day. And um, the exercises that we do, they're the same. And what they're teaching is um, actually, these exercises are teaching you how to breathe correctly, how to use your diaphragm, how to project, how to have clarity when you're speaking. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's not just technique. It also goes into a little bit more of a psychological um, thing too, where, you know, what what is your tone? What are you, what are you trying to convey to other people? Are you sounding condescending and you don't really mean to sound that way? Um, are you speaking with a lack of confidence? Maybe you think you're confident, but you're not coming across that way. So these are all. I want to sort of get back to that, actually, because the confidence thing is something people ask me a lot about. Is there a way that you think people can help with their confidence in their voice, just like that helps them psychologically? Are there exercises? Is there anything you particularly teach in that regard? Yes. And one of the things I say about confidence and as a vocal coach, I have said for years that I am more of a therapist (laughs) than I am (laughs) a vocal teacher. And that's kind of tongue in cheek, really. But um, it is sort of true because I I get so many people that come through that door that have a lot of skill, just Mm -hmm. natural, raw talent. And they can't even look the world in the face. They can't hold their head up. They're scared to use their voice, whether Mm -hmm. it's singing, whether it's speaking. And that's the first step. The first step is knowing that what you have to say is important, knowing that your voice, the world needs to hear your voice and starting to believe that. Um, Mm -hmm. So it actually starts mentally and in trying new things. That is one of the biggest things to me. I think people are, are so afraid for a number of reasons. I mean, it's not just stage fright we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. What are your peers going to think? I say the wrong thing if I make a mistake. And, you know, I always ask the question, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's the worst thing that can happen if you mess up? Like what? 
what what do you say you know and my students yeah. have they stop and they think and they're like oh well i guess i <laughs> yeah i guess know? it's not that bad it's not that bad really when you yeah. think about it you can't be afraid though to make the mistakes because that's how you learn so from a confidence standpoint there is no greater way of learning it than just doing it and you have to start so I, I've, I have a list of, um, of things, actually, and at the top of that list is just starting. <laughs> you yes. have to go, you know, you yeah. have to yep. go and do it. And that is, that is what um, I say. That's your first step. And then as you go, you start to learn. You start to learn what works and what doesn't work. And you have to do a lot of self introspection and really listening to yourself and what you're saying. And this is where a lot of times a vocal coach can come in and help the situation so much because sometimes we have a totally misconstrued idea of what we sound like or how we're coming across to other people we don't know. And when you work with a, another coach or with a coach, they can actually say, hey, this is a way you can improve. This is something that you're doing really well. And maybe we expand that part of what you're doing and really, you know, work with your strengths here, minimize the weaknesses and work with your strengths. And as a vocal coach, that's really what I try to do is help people really find their own niche their own authenticity and helping them to um, use their voice to demonstrate that to others. I love that. And a lot of it is mindset. I love that it's that too. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. I'm curious as to, yeah, I I'm curious about if there's any case studies that you have that you could talk about, like any stories of someone who came to you and just blossomed. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I, I have a, actually a, a couple. One of a great success story that I actually have is one of my students. She was an amazing singer and still is. She's a jazz singer, low, beautiful, sultry voice. Um, and on top of that, she's tall and stunning all right gorgeous girl <laughs> everybody looks at, yes she has yeah. everything in the world going for her and when she walked in the door for her first vocal lesson her hair was down in her face and she could not even she looked at her feet the entire time mm. and i th this goes back to what we were talking about with the confidence you know and and we started working together and we went through these strengths i started telling her look these things you're doing really, really well. Let's focus on those. Let's refine those, make them even better. Let's take some of these things we're not so good at and start working on how, how do you work with those things that you're not so good at because they're still there. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's shifting what you're doing and what you're focusing on. And so we started doing that and lo and behold, she became the lead singer for her um, her big band at school, the jazz frontman, if you will. Then her senior year, she received the Palm Beach County Pathfinders Award, which is the Palm Beach Post gives a big scholarship every year um, for an outstanding senior. Wow. Then she received 
a jazz scholarship to the Frost School of Music in Miami, wow. which is private school. It's huge, huge. The Frost School of Music is one of the best jazz schools in the country. Not only that, she left there. She graduated from Miami and she's in New York working as we speak. Wow. And guess what? She's looking the world in the face and taking on New York City, which is about as, you know, that's about as brave as it <laughs> as you can yeah. be. I hope she's doing okay now because I know that circumstances have changed a little and it's a bit strange out there right now for live music. (laughs) It's very hard, you know, and this is where the reinvention comes in. But it goes back to confidence and believing that you can reinvent yourself that you're not just dead in the water. If you if if your gig got canceled, there are other things that you can do. And um, I'm a I'm big on resilience really, really big on resilience being a huge part of it it is a huge part of my life. And Mm -hmm. I really try to instill in my clients um, the importance of being resilient, especially if you are putting yourself out there to the world in a performance capacity, because it's not all roses. It's not always it's not always a utopia <laughs> more yeah. times than not it's it's tough it's tough and you have to develop those skills along and along with believing in yourself and the confidence sure. to keep going when things don't really seem like they're going your way like right now in this situation with covid so many entertainers have been just stopped in their tracks and it, it's been hard I know that we're all dealing with a lot of stuff these days, so I particularly wanted to acknowledge those that have taken the time to leave honest reviews of this podcast. Skyle Renee, I think it's Renee, it's spelled R-E-N-E, so that's what I'm going to go with. (laughs) I hope I got it right. Had this to say. Worth it. This podcast is so good that I just want to sit and stay in my car a little longer. Thanks, Jody. You're very welcome, Skyle. And thank you so much for taking the time to write a review. Now, back to the show. I was going to ask you, actually, how that changed how you teach, because, I mean, there must be different things you're telling people right now than you were, you know, prior to 2018, let's say. <laughs> oh, it's you know what? It's so true. And, and but it's been it's been great for me because I, I it's been a challenge and I like a challenge. Um, I had already started to transition my um, coaching to online before because of my accident. It had put me in a position that I had to. So I I wanted to make this transition. COVID gave me the chance to go from driving everywhere and and seeing people to actually doing online work. And I feel like it's even made me a better coach, Um, just streamlining everything, vocal exercises, um, providing ways that access to information online that people can, they can access a lot easier actually. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's been the transition for me and, and I, it's going so well. I have a, a, a full, you know, full list of clients at this point is is going terrific. Yeah. That's great. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned some warm-up exercises for speakers, I think, the last yes. time that we had spoken. And since 
I mean, I know there are some musicians who listen here, and that's great, but I think the majority of people who are listening are probably speakers as opposed to singers. Yes. So I'm wondering if you could give them some hints as to, you know, how they could help themselves before they... Actually, it wouldn't even be on stage right now. I'm assuming it's actually virtual conferences and virtual speaking engagements at this point still. Although I think it's starting to open up a little bit in certain places. So yes, yeah. it, it does seem to be opening up. One of my entertainer friends said he's actually doing five shows this week, five nights of work. So that's pretty amazing wow. here in Florida. I was, he said it's not the norm, but it just happened that way this week. So th- yeah. that's really good. Yeah. But um, I do, I do have some exercises that I can give. And, and for you speakers out there, you know, I, I want to, very quickly talk talk about some of the things that I address in these um, coaching sessions. Um, one is breath, and it's very very important that we use our breath when we're speaking or when we're singing to to project for vocal strength for, for a whole lot just. For tone, it, it's really the basis, the foundation sure. of building what I call the house of house of sound, and that breath is the foundation. So I do breathing exercises using the diaphragm. I teach people how to do that. We work on tone. We work on clarity. And um, the first exercise that I would like to give you is a very simple exercise. Most everyone knows their ABCs. And so one of the things that I do starting out is have people start reciting their ABCs and see how long they can go (laughs) without breathing. Yeah. It's a lot, it's harder than you think too. Yeah. And the singers can use this exercise as well, just because, and the, and actually changing tones as we go. So, and I have another exercise that I can give that has some tone, tone relationships in it too. But mm-hmm. starting with this ABC exercise, it's just as simple as taking a very deep breath from your abdomen, from your belly, blow it up like a balloon using that diaphragm and then going a b c d e f g h i j k l m n o p q r s t u v w x y and z and then keep going and try to get through it three times if oh, you wow. can okay yeah that's a lot three <laughs> it times is a lot. it is a lot and you're actually really enunciating there and taking time with the letters like it's not just you know motoring through <laughs> absolutely and i yeah. i say that on a daily basis you know i get the abc yeah i'm like come on come on use your mouth <laughs> you can work. do better than that yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah it's so that's true good. you know we're using our muscles our muscles in our face our muscles in our diaphragm and that's another thing that people forget when they're speaking when they're singing is that we it's a workout it is a workout and um you don't believe me go give go give a talk for an hour or two go do a cabaret show for 45 minutes i'm going to tell you you'll get your workout in for the day but that's because it is physical and people don't they they just don't always make that connection in their head that is such a physical thing yeah yeah that's it, it's an amazing exercise and something <laughs> really to definitely is. think about. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any others that you could share or tips for um, better communicating as well is is always appreciated. I'm sure a lot of people. Uh, who listen are are very interested in making sure they get their point across and that they come across as, you know, a, a 
a decent human and you absolutely. know all of these things right <laughs> so no, yeah absolutely and you know one of the one of the thing that singing singing teaches you is to use your listening skills and this is something else that you know you often hear that people listen to respond they don't really listen to listen yeah singing teaches you to listen to listen if that makes sense, to use your ears to actually hear what's going on in the music and how you respond with the music, how you work with the music. You know, the music's not in a vacuum and you aren't either. It has to work together jointly. So we call this ear training and singing where um, you can identify different sounds I remember one time when I was working for Cirque du Soleil, it was very early in my career, um, the music director, or actually it was the choreographer said, I want you, she was giving me blocking and she said, I want you to move on the count of whatever for, you'll move on the count of five actually. And I said, oh, is that where the strings come in? Mm-hmm. And she just stopped and looked at me and she goes, no one has ever said that to me before. Really? No one? No one. Oh my goodness. And she okay. said, yes, that's where the strings come in, in the music. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I know where to go. I knew exactly where to move because I could yeah. hear the movement in the music. I knew what was, was happening at that time. So this is a really, really important skill, uh, the listening skills that it teaches us and how to use our ear and then execution. How mm-hmm. do we respond to the sounds that we're actually, um, actually hearing Yeah, those, those, those sounds that are coming in. So there's a lot that goes into it and active listening is really important for interviewing too. So absolutely. people are conducting interviews on podcasts or that kind of thing. This might be helpful to them too. That's exactly, <laughs> it's exactly right. And really listen, really listening to what's going on and what's happening around you. And, um, I, you know, it, it is interesting, um, being, being in this business for so many years and, Chody, you may I, you maybe have the same uh, thing because I know that you listen to sounds all day. Uh, I go <laughs> I to do. dinner. I, I go to dinner, right? I go mm-hmm. to dinner, yeah. and if there is too many things going on, I tend to just tune them out. So because what's happening is that I am filtering every single sound and every single conversation that's going on in the room, because that's what my brain is trained to do. So, um, having said that it kind of works against me when I'm in a huge noisy room, but at the same time, it's a really good skill to have because you can really focus in on what you need to be listening for and prioritize those sounds in a way that are useful to you in a performance capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for Cirque, it was really important because you want to make sure you don't get kicked in the head, <laughs> run over, because you yeah. want to be singing and listening and yep. watching, <laughs> using all your yeah. senses. <laughs> it could have been dangerous, yes. Oh, it has been before. I have stories for days on that one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, I, yes. I do want to hear more, and I think it would be fun for, for us to talk about that. <laughs> but I don't want to get I don't want to get too far off the, sure. the point of, um, of uh, vocal warm-ups for speakers. Like, sure. I just because if you can give any more of that. 
that, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. I, I, I derailed you. No, that's okay. <laughs> so, sorry. Yeah. I just get, I get uh, when I start thinking about some of these things I've learned through the years have been learned oh, the sure. hard way. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Uh, it's we funny. all do. <laughs> but I yeah. have, um, I have another exercise and this one is actually a little bit more difficult than the first exercise because this one requires a tone with it. All right. Uh, so we're training our brain to really think. Um, one thing that, uh, it, on a side note here, one thing that I did learn, of course, music affects 12 different parts of our brains. Wow. And um, yes, 12 different parts. Professional singers actually use one, the one part of the brain and amateur singers. Okay. So let me say this professional singers use their occipital lobe. All right. Okay. Which is visual. Mm -hmm. Amateur singers have not learned that skill. So they use their temporal lobe in their brain. All right. So one of the things that I try to teach when I teach, um, aspiring speakers or singers, performers in general, is to use their occipital lobe, to use visual ideas and attach them to sounds. So for example, and I'm not getting off track here, I'm gonna get back to this exercise, but it's very important that we visualize what I'm going to teach you here. Um, Because it's like, tone is like going up the stairs. And when we learn to execute a tone, we have to think about going up the stairs or coming down the stairs. Mm -hmm. So this exercise is a movement up and down a staircase, if you will. So if you can visualize that as you start to step up the staircase, and then as we come back down, it will actually help you in creating these particular sounds. So the exercise goes like this. It goes... One 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 one, two 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 two, one 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 one, three 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 three, one 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 one, four 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 four, five four three two one five one. All right. Whoa. So yeah. <laughs> so we're jumping up and down these stairs. So you have to think about the first step as being the one, the second step as being the two as we go up. Mm-hmm. And then as we come back down, you're coming back down that staircase. All right. So this is what it takes using that occipital lobe to really think about how we're movement we're doing movement with sound. So let's start with a tone. All right. One 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 two 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 one 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 three 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 one 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 four 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 five four three two one five one. Okay. And then you can move. Yeah. One 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 two 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 one 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 three 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 one 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 four 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 five four three two one five one. Yeah, I love it. All right. Now, just because even if you have problems with pitch, that doesn't matter. Okay. Mm -hmm. The point of the exercise is to start to recognize the differences in the levels of the tones as far as the pitch goes up and down. Are we speaking in a low tone? Are we speaking in a high tone? Because those levels give different um, uh, they, they give different messages to your audience. I mean, when you're speaking like this all the time, I mean, you, you know, you're in a courtroom. 
is anybody really going to listen to you? I mean, <laughs> yeah, do you really want to sound like that? You know, or do yeah. you want to speak with authority? Do you want to project or do you want to sound soft and kind? We choose. We choose what we put out there. Yeah. So pitch is very important. Learning those intervals and in sounds is very important. And this also teaches breath control as well. Looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com audio-branding-strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website. And I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah, so, I love that. Yeah. And, and it makes a lot of sense to me because I don't read music at all. And so when I'm singing, when I'm performing at a, you know, with a band, right. if I'm looking at the lyrics because I... I, you know, I have all sorts of memory for the notes. I don't have any memory for the lyrics. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, I can't do them. both at the same time. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. It's because I have no, I, I don't have the crutch of having the music notes on the page. Right. right. So I have to have, I have to memorize all that. But if I want to move from a pitch to, uh, from like a, a tone or a pitch to something else, I draw arrows all over the place. Like, that works <laughs> or, stairs, or stairs, you know? Yeah. But it, but it is. Is it relates the the visuals to the sound that I need to make, Absolutely. and those are my shorthand notes for you know what, what a, you know a high C would be or I don't know whatever. But you know, That's right. <laughs> makes no sense to me. But if I draw it, <laughs> well, it's it's so true, you know. And and I'm uh, the the visual part of it, it. It's it's just a really really important part of singing because singing's abstract you know when i teach piano which i play classical piano when i teach piano you know that it's right there in front of you and it's structured and you can actually i can pick someone's hands up or i can tell them to, i can move them but i cannot put my hand out somebody's throat and move their <laughs> vocal cords around or move their face yeah. you know yeah. so yeah. it's really really abstract and when you can make it a lot more tangible or visual where they can actually see these things and connect those images it makes it a lot easier to execute um than than without yeah definitely i can see so so you're a professional jody you're a professional singer see you're using your occipital loop. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I had to adapt. You know, I mean, that's what happens. That's right. I've never read music. I never learned. <laughs> but I was doing the alto part in my quartet in jazz in in uh, in high school. So, you know, that's right. The teacher was kind enough. And this was <laughs> this was way back when. So he would put on a tape. He would play it on a piano for me. He'd play what I needed to memorize to sing right. as the alto part, which never was the tune. <laughs> it's hard. The alto part was. Yeah. 
it was it was really kind of difficult. And so I would memorize what he played on the piano and put on tape for me. And then I'd go and use it in practice when we were having our, our, our practices. And well, you know, what that, actually... you know what that's called? That's called learning by ear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You learned by ear. Like what I we totally were talking did. about earlier, you <laughs> trained that ear to really hear the differences in the sound and know that your pitch more than likely, not always, is a third down from what the sopranos are singing. Yes, exactly. It was really fun to hear how it all worked together, though, because right. often the chord made was a little bit dissonant, which I, I really kind of liked. That was really and, and it was because of me. Right. That's right. It's <laughs> but so it worked. Good. It does work. <laughs> I love it. And I love yeah. that you know that I like that you notice those things because those beautiful chords and those harmonies that you're talking about, that's what gives people like Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, Puccini, the great opera writer. Um, it, it's what gives those people their, makes them such amazing composers mm-hmm. is using all of those different sounds and those chords. And Stephen Sondheim, he can make a dissonance, make you love dissonance, you know, <laughs> yeah. two notes, they shouldn't go together and yes. they do go together and he makes them work. It's, it's a little bit of brilliance. It is actually. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that in composers. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I was just I was just performing by rote, really. I mean, you know, you can yeah, but- if you can hear it, you can you can make it work. I, but the hearing is the key, right? Like I needed to be able to copy what I was hearing and then memorize it. Yes. At, because I didn't have the, the notes on paper to guide me. So but but also it's in relation to other people, right? Because yes, it's not just memorizing those notes, but what was keeping me on those notes was knowing how that all worked with what everyone else was doing around me. Absolutely. This is what I was talking about with that exercise I gave too, those intervals between the notes. You knew that the sopranos were ah, and you knew that's not your note and you had yeah. to be lower than that. So you yes. ah, so you're going to yeah. sing a third down, which is what primarily what most, most of the time altos do. But, yeah. you know, and why is this important for speakers? It, it's just really important again, understanding what these different tones, the the distances between the tones and what the, what the tones are saying to other people. Yeah. So it's important for speakers to understand tone and how to use it to their advantage, just to relate that as far as it's to speakers as well. Sure. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.